G'day, Dominic Barfield here, and this is the RVC Clinical Podcast. Thank you for listening, and thank you for subscribing on your smartphone or generic fruit-based device. Really grateful for you taking the time to download and listen to this RVC podcast, and we don't ask for much in return. They'd be incredibly grateful if you could pop to Apple Podcasts or Acast and leave us a review. A five-star review would be obviously great, and uh, we'd appreciate it if you could take a couple of minutes of your time to, to do that for us sort of today. So today we're joined in the studio um, with uh, not one but but two uh, lovely guests. So we have with us uh, Roseanne Jetson, who's one of our senior lecturers here in internal medicine, and Zoe Halfercrew, so one of our uh, soft tissue surgeons here and senior lecturer at the, the RBC. And we're we're all here sort of today to talk about the, the World Health Organization Hand Washing Day, which is uh, Friday, I believe, May the May the fifth. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, uh, so many thanks, uh, Roseanne and Zoe, for, for joining us today um, to uh, speak about an, an, an interesting topic on, on hand washing. So, uh, um, as, as I suppose I should say as well that you're both part of the uh, the infection sort of control committee um, here at the RVC, or in particular in the small animal hospital that we have here, the Queen Mother Hospital for, for animals, um, and uh, and something that I suppose we, we take in, indeed sort of very seriously as, as as we all sort of should. So. So maybe I might first by asking um, you individually or both the importance of hand washing and, and how, um, what, you know, why maybe is it something that we don't necessarily do all the, all the time? Zoe, do you want me to start? I can, uh, yeah, if you want to. <laughs> That's all right. So, um, uh, you know, hand washing is really important. I think, um, you know, it dates back through many centuries as people have started to recognise the importance of clear hand, clean hands, but it's really come to the forefront, I think, in the last couple of decades that we've appreciated just how important um, having clean hands is when we're dealing with patients to try and prevent the spread of infections, so nosocomial infections um, that could be transferred between patients within the hospital, between staff members um, and the animals that we're treating. Um, so it's important both from a preventing spread of infections between patients and also from a personnel perspective as well. Absolutely. Um, so we always talk about hand washing. Um, we know that we should do it, but I don't know that we always do it as much as we should. Um, and it's, of course, very simple, um, but it's sometimes important to think about exactly what you're doing to be able to do it right. Um, and you have to think carefully about every step in which you're contacting the patient um, and um, when you're leaving the patient after examining them um, and making sure that you're washing your hands um, at each step and also washing your hands properly. Um, so um, it's easy to have a sort of a quick few moments um, of um, washing your hands but you have to make sure to make sure that that's effective that you're actually doing all of the different sort of seven um, steps of covering all the different aspects of your hands so there'll be lots of um, posters available um, to look at around the hospital they tend to sort of merge into the background I think when they've been there for a long time um, but by being reminded of the importance um, of hand washing and doing it properly. Um, hopefully um, people will take time to have a look and check that they are doing um, all of the dif different steps of hand washing well um, and making sure um, that they're thoroughly cleaning um, fingertips, um, their fingers, their palms, back of the palms and their thumbs um, and wrists. Um, and um, by doing um, thorough hand washing, we really are doing the very best that we can um, to protect our patients um, and ourselves um, from problems with um, infection and in the future antimicrobial resistance. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think if you if we go back to the um, WHO in terms of the time points when we should be washing our hands, I think um, we're probably all very good at washing our hands when we see that we've got gross contamination. Obviously, we're going to wash our hands at that point. But actually, um, if we look at the WHO, there are a series of different time points at which everybody as a clinician should be washing their hands so before touching patients, um, certainly obviously before you're going to be performing any kind of clean procedures, if you think you've been exposed to any body fluids, for example, and then again after you've touched the patient and also potentially after touching the patient's surroundings, so even if you've not directly come into the contact with the patient but you've been dealing with the bedding or the actual cage environment that the pet's in. So, you know, I think we should be taking a role or taking the lead of, you know, and really trying to make sure that we're not just hand-washing between our individual consults but actually much more frequently than that yeah um, it's so important um, to do the hand washing but it's also important to recognize one of the reasons why people avoid doing it and that's because um, with frequent hand washing your hands do become dry um, and they can start um, you know to become uncomfortable the skin can um, potentially st start to become um, cracked and sore um, and in that circumstance then hand washing um, that frequently starts to sort of have a negative effect because you get an increased buildup um, of bacteria in the skin if you have um, any areas um, of sort of dermatitis and so it's really important that um, when you are um, following um, a thorough approach to hand washing that you're also making sure that you really carefully take care of your skin um, so that you're regularly moisturising and that way um, your skin should remain healthy. Um, you shouldn't sort of have any discomfort um, or any issue with regular hand washing um, and you're able to continue to regularly um, hand wash and, and make sure that you're doing the best um, for your patients and for the hospital. So it's, I suppose like we know, like if you're framing the the, the uh, consultation as in there's a there's a beginning and an end where you can sort of clean your clean your hands within that environment, and I uh, imagine the WHO as well. So a lot of consultations are are bedside. So so you, there's a um, you go to a to a patient, you can wash your hands before as you leave that that area. Mm. But a lot of the time, you know, particularly in small animal hospitals, where you have kennels and you have a bank of patients together. I suppose is there, you know, imagine, um, or do you know if anyone sort of looked into do people um, automatically wash hands like before touching like the next patient, or is or is that more of our, um, is that more of our risk? Do you think in in a hospital environment? I think I think it, you're absolutely right there, Dom. I think um, it, within a consultation environment, I think that typically you'll find the um, uh, hand wash facilities will be on the inside of that consulting room, and actually there should probably be a move to be having those hand washing facilities also on the outside, so that people are washing their hands at the point before they're going through the door. And I think what we should be striving for as vets is for it to become part of routine for what the client is going to expect is the first thing that they will see us do is to clean our hands before we start examining their patient and that we clean our hands at the end of doing an examination. Um, the ward-based situation... I think is a real challenge for us as vets. I think obviously if you think about the structure of a, a human hospital ward, everybody's sort of in their own, obviously not their own individual cubicle, but there, are, there is a, a system whereby perhaps the curtain will be drawn around, the doctor will approach the bed, will wash their hands at that point. Whereas we have this back-to-back -back kenneling system, obviously, for, which is required on the basis of space that's available. And yet maybe within your hospital ward, the only hand-washing facilities might be at 
the far end of that ward. They might even be only in a different room. And so I think it's a question of looking at the practical opportunities to have um, hand-washing facilities. And I think this is an area where the alcohol rubs come into play rather than needing mm. sink and soap, yeah. for example, actually at the kennel sides so that we can have as many points that make it as easy as possible because absolutely we should be washing our hands at the beginning and the end of every time that we're actually accessing a patient. And, and do, you, do you think you do that? Do you know the honest truth, Zoe, on this podcast is going to be no. I don't know that I do do it every time, but I don't think I'll be the only person out there admitting no. that. I think um, I, I'd i like to say I do. I, I'm probably not perfect at doing it 100% of the time. The difference for me, I guess, is that most of the time I'm examining patients with a surgical wound and there's a, a focus of something you're looking at in terms of a wound that you need to make sure that you are being as you know aseptic as possible so I would wash my hands for examining the patient and put gloves on if I was examining the wound um, but I sort of developed a, um, a standard of doing that um, consistently probably partly due to experiences of dealing with patients with MRSA wound infections um, and you know having that experience of seeing how devastating um, it can be um, and so I, I do, but I always think that we, we can always do better and yeah. yeah, and I think it does depend, as you say, on the type of patient that you're examining, and it, but it shouldn't depend on that, absolutely. No, because and we don't know what bacterial um, yeah. flora they've got, can, you know, colonising them. Um, no. Mm. And a lot of our patients will have been exposed to potentially a range of different antibiotic treatments before coming into a referral centre, and we're sort of like a hub where... Um, we have to be very careful with what we transmit. So I suppose it's trying to create a habit, isn't it, that you, you do something at the same time? Because mm -hmm. I, I agree with Rosanna, I, I don't, um, uh, I, I, I couldn't say that I wash my hands or, or use alcohol rub before and after every patient, but I do try and make a cognitive uh, effort every time I do touch a patient to, to, to use an alcohol rub sort of after the event. Yeah, yeah. And particularly in a, a round situation, if you're moving on and you just want to check sort of one, one thing yeah. or, or, or not. But, but I suppose if you, if you're coming from more of a, a surgical background and the, 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 the routine or, or ritual, if you it's, like, it's before you go yes. into that mm. environment is always to clean your hands and, yeah. and to probably put on gloves as well. Yeah. So, so it's, it's part of that mm. whole, whole process. We're, wearing gloves is an interesting thing to comment on really, because, um, yes, it's, it's great to have a, a an additional barrier. Um, we've got two different sort of types of gloves, gloves we might be wearing, um, individually packaged, um, sterile surgical gloves, which is um, what I would choose to use if I was examining a wound that, you know, had some um, area that was open at all. Um, otherwise, I would choose to use just the, the clean gloves that, you know, are, are packed in the boxes with multiple gloves. But it's so important not to think that that... Um, means that you can forgo hand washing because of course you go with your hands pick up the gloves from the box touch the outside of the gloves with your hands that are unwashed and then put the gloves on and in some ways it might actually be worse to do that than to wash your hands and not wear gloves um, equally if you then wear gloves um, and keep those gloves on between multiple patients, that's absolutely no better. It might just keep your hands um, protected from 
and various things they might become physically contaminated with in the ward, but it's certainly no better for infection control. Um, so it's about, it, it's very simple, and it's when we sort of were talking about we'd sit down and have a chat about hand washing, there are so many important things to say, but equally it's so simple. You think, well, what can we say about it? It's obvious we really need to do it, but it's about thinking about it all the time as to what you need to do at every step. And it's about making it really be routine. So what Don was saying about the fact that, you know, you make a point of um, being seen to alcohol rub um, and wash your hands in that manner between every patient when you're on the round, I think particularly given that we're in a teaching environment that's starting to train the new vets that are going to be graduating, that this is standard of care and this is what they should be doing as well. And we very much need everybody um, in a hospital environment to buy in to the hand-washing protocol calls um, because it doesn't help if there are perhaps individuals that do it less frequently than, than others we need everybody to be pulling together and this mm. is this is how it is and this is how it should happen yeah. and I think we're probably a bit separated as well aren't we in, in terms of uh, I, I mean just from the, the <laughs> random random bits of, of commentary but um, when we, we seem to be not as concerned when dealing with like blood or uh, or discharges or anything um, from the patients that we deal with or get them on our hands. It's not as a big concern as I suppose in people dealing with blood-borne diseases mm. that are quite common, such mm -hmm. as like hepatitis or, yeah. or immunodeficiency virus, and we're not concerned about that with we our patients. We don't have a high so we, concern of zoonosis. Yeah, no. and so mm. we, we seem to be... We're tolerant of that. Yeah. When perhaps we shouldn't, mm. and there's mm. and and you know just the bottomists in 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 human hospitals always wear gloves before they do anything, whereas yeah. we don't, we, we wouldn't even know. contemplate doing that for for majority no. of our patients. Yes. So it's that it's that sort of changing the uh, the mentality that at least we need to start to think about. Well, if we're not mm. going to wear gloves, maybe we should at least make sure our hands are clean for any any um, yeah. contact with mm. the, with the patients that we that we have. I, I think the, um, sorry to interrupt you, Don. Mm. Um, I think that it's quite interesting what the, the sort of slogan of the World Health Organization um, hand washing day um, is actually, um, it's in your hands, prevent sepsis in healthcare. Um, and I think that's, it's quite well thought out because um, we can keep talking about hand washing and why it's important but actually it's bringing it back to a problem that we're probably going to see with um, increasing regularity in human health care um, of people um, experiencing um, sepsis um, that can't be treated because um, it's resistant to any anti uh, anti antibiotics um, that are available. Um, and I think in generally having young children there's quite a lot of emphasis in um, making people aware of what the signs are um, of sepsis um, because um, some um, people you know, haven't really previously been aware and it's something that is um, potentially preventable um, with appropriate treatment. But if we um, fail to um, reserve antibiotic use um, for um, only situations when we really need it and one way that we can try and reserve antibiotic use is by appropriately hand washing and therefore minimising the risk of wound infections out in our patients then we're going to see um, increasing antimicrobial resistance just affecting the general veterinary and human population so it's a 
and it's sort of probably obvious from the outset that that's really what, why it's important. But I think they've really like focused and hit the nail on the head with their slogan as to why it really is important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so what, if you're if you're outside, sorry, if you're if you're in your uh, private practice or general practice, or whatever practice you're, you're in, so what what tools do you think are beneficial to try and get um, uh, the people that you are working with to be compliant about about hand washing or even knowing? You know, how, how how do we audit um, uh, these? You know, how do we audit these things? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I guess in terms of wherever you work, then there's I guess there's two components that I would think about. One is the sort of, um, or maybe actually three. One is the sort of educational side of things. So making sure that everybody understands the reason why. I think something that Zoe and I have definitely learned um, as we've been part of the infection control group at the QMHA is that um, getting people's buy-in is very important and making sure that they feel um, included in any of the protocols that you're trying to um, develop and to instigate within a hospital because unless people understand and why they're doing something um, if they see it as something that takes them additional time um, or they have issues maybe with some of the products that they're being asked to use um, then that's going to create a barrier to them wanting to um, participate in, in the schemes that you're trying to set up um, and then I guess there's a sort of second part would be the sort of physical things what do you actually need in your hospital and as Zoe's already alluded to actually regular soap and water does a, a very good job but um, many people will find that with certain um, disinfectant products that they might use on their hands they're very um, can be abrasive if you've got sensitive skin and so there have been a lot of um, alcohol based rubs which um, certainly help a lot in terms of the sort of regular um, bedside hand washing and cleaning that we should be doing. And then there's the third component, which is sort of, well, how do you tell whether you're doing a good job or not? Um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of studies in the in the human literature that have tried to sort of monitor hospitals in terms of how well they're performing. And they can do things like quantifying how much hand wash you're actually using within a hospital in a given time period, because you know roughly how many patients you see, uh, roughly how many times they're going to be examined by a certain number of personnel. And so you you could have a, a rough gauge for how much hand wash you should be using. Um, or alternatively, there's a uh, there's systems whereby you might audit um, given wards or regions of the hospital um, just to make a note, not of individuals that are not actually performing well, but more of the, the general overall level of hand washing that's occurring. So that would be more of an observational based study to check that people are doing what they should be doing. Um, and I think what a lot of the studies have shown is that um, people do heed the education advice that they're given and they do pull up their socks and do better but actually what you need is a constant reminder um, and these needs to come in sort of cycles it's so easy to lapse back it's into, very easy to yeah. lapse into back into mm. old ways mm. and it's, it's difficult isn't it? we have we have posters uh, by our sinks and we about about hand washing in fact we don't really have many posters in in the hospital but the, the majority of ones are, are, are uh, are regarding sort of hand washing, and there are ones that are available on the WHO mm. site. On I think I think those are the ones we actually. We, we have uh, some similar ones, yeah, definitely. And I think you're right, poster overload is a real problem. Um, if you've got too much on your walls, then it's well, it's probably not great for infection control anyway. Um, but actually, you know, people become um, 
almost blind to what's on the wall because they see so much there so making sure that where the hand washing posters are that they're you know very clear um, and, and that people are actually looking at them yeah. it's interesting um, the different techniques that you can use to get someone to, to sort of as you say buy into a policy and um, advise that they you know are going to adhere to it um, the clinical microbiology infectious disease meeting I went to recently there were a couple of speakers who were talking about some interesting studies um, looking at people um, adhering to antibiotic stewardship programs um, and this was in human um, hospitals and they actually demonstrated um, a, a significant improvement in the adherence to the antibiotic stewardship program which is where people are having to follow certain rules in terms of um, prescribing um, antibiotics to try and particularly preserve um, those antibiotics in higher classes um, that if people actually um, signed a declaration which was on the wall in the reception area um, to say I, Zoe Harfakri, um, certify that I um, work adhering to these certain guidelines that that actually um, significantly improved their um, antibiotic pres prescribing practice and I wonder whether perhaps doing something with regards to hand washing as well could have that effect for yeah, for a period of time. Definitely, definitely. I think it's it's all about individuals taking that little bit of personal responsibility for the collective mm. hospital responsibility that w that we have, and making sure that it's it's everybody who's buying into it. Yeah. yeah. So a number of things we we changed in the in the hospital as well. I believe about it's probably less than ten years ago now, but it was to, to have like a bare below the elbow sort of policy. Yes. Do, do you think that that helps with the ability to to hand wash or do we have any information uh, uh, about that like if people are not going to get um you know watches or bracelets uh in the in the in the way um, I mean, that's that's very interesting. I think um, that's something that came in through the NHS, as you say, probably over 10 years ago when there was a, um, a large rise in the sort of um, MRSA um, cases that were being seen. Um, and there are studies that have looked um, at that. And in general, actually, it doesn't... There's not a huge amount of data that says that we dramatically reduced nosocomial infections so hospital spread infections by doing that but it certainly makes it easier um, to wash your hands and there's certainly studies that show that you're less likely to clean your wrist areas appropriately um, if you have um, uh, sort of jewellery in that region etc um, so we, we certainly have a, um, a bare below the elbow policy where necessary. Now you was just um, looking that the three oh, yes. of us are actually all bare yes, below the no, elbow. We're, we're performing well today yes, so, we um, so we can guarantee to all the listeners that we are all <laughs> bare below the elbow um yeah but brian as an independent witness can probably verify <laughs> but he is, he is also bare below the elbow <laughs> well. um and i think i think it just helps everybody to be aware it's one of those things it's like putting on your uniform when you come into the hospital and you're bare below the elbow it it, it creates that environment as well that says i'm here to do my professional job and i understand that infection control is part of that and i'm now bare below the elbow mm. um yeah so, so where, where is the the role of uh, personal protective uh, protection uh, protective equipment? Sorry, in in the in the rationale of uh, approaching patients who you suspect might have a zoonotic disease or or, or a disease that uh, you're concerned it might be nosocomial infection. Um, so. We spoke briefly about use of gloves, um, but then you've also got to recognise that um, there may be contamination of your uniform or clothing. Um, and so um, if you're 
coming into contact um, physically with the patient or if they have any discharging wounds um, or other forms of discharge, then um, we would always um, wear um, personal protective equipment, which would be um, a plastic apron um, over the top as a barrier, um, and then that should be discarded between patients. Um, we do have a, a policy for um, infectious diseases um, where um, we are actually barrier nursing, um, and there's various levels of barrier nursing um, that we would perform, um, but the barrier nursing um, for, say, for example, um, a case of kennel cough um, would be um, that we were wearing... Um, uh, what would you call it, the, a more, like, gown? Yeah, um, I mean, those types of cases would be going into our actual mm. isolation unit, and I guess as a, as a hospital we made the decision that any patient that requires that isolation facility or personnel that go into that room wear what we would consider our highest level of mm. PPE or personal protection. equipment. Which would be sort of a gown, um, a hat, a boiler shoe suit. covers, a boiler suit, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and all disposable, so single use only. Um, so um, anybody that's entering that unit, that's what they will need to wear to deal with that patient. Um, and we have to think very carefully about the logistics of then moving those patients, if necessary, around the hospital. And where possible, we do what we can within the isolation unit itself. So those that would be the most extreme example, yes. I guess, of what we what we do. But I suppose the important point as well is that whatever we're wearing at the moment is more considered as, as uniform or scrub tops yes. and, and it's not a protective Absolutely. equipment. No, and and normally should, no. people just sort of change them when they're dirty or have yeah. visible soiling rather mm. than rather than anything else and it's it's not you know, it's not part of that protective. Whereas protective clothing should be put on before yeah. the um, risk of becoming the uniform becoming soiled. Yeah. And I think we're 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 pretty good at a at a hospital level to, to, to do that, to have those um, barriers for you know people to actually when they're approaching that patient to wear gloves and, and the plastic apron um, and hopefully that will have some maybe more of a psychological effect to the other people as well that we, we don't necessarily interact with this patient in a, in another way but I think that the the isolation facilities obviously are important for all uh, all hospitals uh, to to you know stop the spread of, of certain yeah. sort of contagious diseases potentially absolutely. to other other patients uh, uh, absolutely um so uh, so like judging what what you're saying so say, so the idea about hand washing is, is from the WHA sort of perspective is is really is a direct correlation to antimicrobial resistance yeah so um they basically saying it's in your hands prevent sepsis in healthcare um and so it, it does just have such a fundamental wide-reaching implication it's a very simple thing that you can do but it's just i think important to recognize that it, each and every time that you do it, you're contributing to some small extent um, to trying to improve global general health care for all animals and people. That's very good. Um, I was just wondering, do you think we should uh, t touch on anything else? I think I, think I would actually uh, love it uh, another time if you could both join. We can talk a bit more about like a rational antimicrobial use and how to uh, um, uh, not just throw a plethora of antibiotics yeah, at, that would be at great. patients. Yeah. I think that would uh, um, be very good for our listeners. But if you have, do you have any other other uh, comments to to add? Finally, 
Just get out there and wash your hands, wash your I hands. think. So it's it's actually Saturday, the 5th of May, Dom. I, oh, we, we were wrong. We said it was Friday. So if people Did wanting to wash their hands thoroughly, it's it's uh, Saturday, the 5th of May, <laughs> to start off your hand-washing campaign. And no, no better to, to probably do it at, at home as well. So, uh, <laughs> so thank you both, uh, Bruzan and Zoe, for your, your time today. We'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, so thanks again for listening, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your generic fruit-based device, and that way you won't even have to worry about missing a podcast. If you could uh, leave us a, a review uh, a five-star review but obviously be great on apple podcast or, or acast and don't forget to tell your friends friends or others and we'll place any show notes on the rvc pages so if you just type in rvc clinical podcast into your search engine it should be top of the tree so if you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast please get in touch so you can either email dbarfield at rvc.ac.uk or tweet at don barfield until next time bye-bye